Hello guys, welcome to an NTT20 bonus pod. This week on the Monday show, it was all about Leagues 1 and 2. We didn't want the Championship fans to feel left out, so we thought how best to cover the Championship and we have dialed up a player who is currently playing in the Championship. Uh, our guest today, arguably the definitive Championship footballer since we've been doing this podcast, to be honest, because... And I wonder if he knows this. Since the start of the 17-18 season, no player has played more championship games than our guest. He is equal with Johnny Housen. So you can rule out Johnny Housen. He's not available. He's definitely got the most appearances on this podcast as well. Uh, Jed, or Jedley as we call him. Jed Wallace joins us on the pod. How are you doing, mate? So I like coming on here because you give me these fantastic stats that I never hear anywhere else. <laughs> the lads are never going to really end of that one now, I tell you. <laughs> You were begging to come on the other week. We had Rob Dickey on uh, and you got a bit jealous. You thought maybe we, we, we found someone else. Yeah, I do get jealous. And I got jealous when he scored that goal against us, to be honest. And that was enough. That was enough. And I've got really jealous about one of my ex-managers recently, Neil Harris. Everything I hear him on is key for more this, key for more that. And, and I do get a bit upset when you guys and my old managers talk about other people. So I thought, let me get back on. Well, we don't want to only be nice. I want to point out that although no one's played more games than you, your teammate, Jake Cooper, has played more minutes because he's only I been know. subbed off twice in that time and you've been subbed off 57 oh. times. 57 <laughs> times, Jed. <laughs> Am I really? That is an awful stat. That is so bad. I'm if hoping honest, a lot of them were standing ovations when I've come off 90th minute. How, how, off how do you lead. normally feel? When you do get subbed, is it that moment where you're like, oh, I don't want to come off? Or are you like, yes, I am blowing here. Get me off. It, it depends. It depends. A lot of players will tell you when you're losing. We were 2-0 down against Fulham the other week after 10 minutes and they were looking good. And you're thinking, like, it might yeah. not be the worst time to come off. We might not touch the ball for the rest of the 80 minutes here. And yeah, then there's yeah, obviously yeah. other times. I remember back to an FA Cup quarterfinal we played against Brighton. We were 2-0 up and um, me and Lee Gregory come off in the 90th minute. Clap from the fans, like, great, thinking we're going FA Cup semi-final and we, we let two goals in and we end up losing on penalty shootout and we had oh to play every time with, like, a back nine because we just literally had no attackers on the pitch. So it depends on the circumstance, I think. Is that you getting your own back on on the manager you were just talking about, Neil Harris, there? Yeah, it's a little... I've, I've knifed him a little bit there and I'll call it one all because <laughs> he keeps loving up Keith Moore. <laughs> Last thing on these stats... You've scored the 19th most goals in the championship in that time. You've got the second most assists in the champ in that time as well. Only Pablo Hernandez has more. Not bad. Uh, you've got more assists than Emi Buendia, albeit you have played over 100 games more than him in that time. Yeah, it's, it's one of them. Ba- that's a backhanding compliment because all the other wingers in the question, like Ben Rahm and Buendia, they're all better than me, so they've all got their move. It's like a bit of a backhanded compliment. I wasn't going to put it that there. way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. When I wrote the line, the definitive championship footballer, I did mean it as a compliment, but as soon as I said it, I realised it could be the taken The ones that haven't been promoted, yeah, okay, I got you, I got you. And we'll be, sit- we'll, we'll be sitting here in eight years and you'll be 35 or whatever, you, whatever you'll be by still then. Here. And we'll, we'll still be talking about how you racked up a thousand championship assists and all the rest. On the, the Gareth Barry of the championship, <laughs> Bang, banging out mid-table finishes for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> you got to move to Man City. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, we want to talk about the championship in more general terms. You guys have had a weekend off. It's international break. And I always like asking about this. When I think about what a footballer does on international break, or rather what I would do on international break, I'm thinking Dubai for a couple of days, right? Probably a meal at Salt Bay's restaurant. Probably get the bit of that on. I'm thinking team bonding, maybe a day at the races, somewhere far away where people might not recognise the, the Millwall squad, maybe... I don't know, but George Redcar, is that still Pump a race Mel. course? 
Yeah, Cartmel. Yeah, yeah, Cartmel, Redco, one of them. Or maybe, for you, I'm thinking maybe back to Portsmouth for a few days, a night out with uh, with your old mates from back home. Astoria, is that the place to be? Astoria, oh God, Astoria. I don't think I'm allowed to speak this that word in this house now. I'm uh, nearly married next <laughs> summer. I've got two kids. <laughs> that word got banned. I think we moved in together. Uh, yeah, I had some... Uh, Portsmouth's a great place. I think every player that plays for a Portsmouth, for Brighton, um, a Bournemouth, like, it's just such a great place to live as well. So much more than just playing for the football club. So yeah, I ended mm-hmm. up there, but Dubai sounds good. Reality was soft plays and dog walks and ice cream on the beach, but I was, I'm more than happy with that, to be honest. It's just nice to get a bit of time off uh, because I think after the next international break, it just goes mental, doesn't it? Saturday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Saturday, Wednesday. So got to try and get the rest in while you can, really. Yeah, we'll look back at what you've done already so far this season. It's some interesting teams that you've played so far for Millwall, opening up with a one-all draw against QPR. You then battered Blackburn in a game uh, which you somehow drew one-all despite them only having two shots in the game. You mentioned the Fulham match where you lost 2-1 and, and they were tuning up very early on. Then Cardiff and then Blackpool, uh, back to winning ways uh, against Blackpool in the most recent game. Um, of those teams, you know there, there are a couple of players I want to mention, one of which we started off by mentioning, Rob Dickey, who was on the podcast recently. Um, he, obviously, he made headlines for his goal in that game, uh, but you came up against him uh, and would have seen a side of his game that probably doesn't get as much recognition, which is the defensive side of things. Uh, how yeah. did you find your, your afternoon up against probably the breakout star, I guess, of the championship so far this season? Yeah, I've spent a lot of time praising Rob the last month, not only <laughs> because he's a good player, but also I'm a little bit affiliated with now where we were in, in Portugal in the summer on holiday. His kid and my kid spent a lot of time around the pool, so I thought, uh, nice. like this guy, I'm going to look after him now this season. But to be fair, that's doing him a disjustice. He was, he was brilliant against us. Um, very much unique in the way he plays in terms of really wants to defend, old school defender, but then obviously the way he brings the ball out. Um, reminded me very much of probably a Ben White at Leeds or an Adam Webster at Bristol City where they have that real quality. And there's a lot that come out with the ball to come out with the ball. And then there's some that they want to come out, they want to create chances, they want to get shots on goal. And I think he scored two unbelievable goals already, didn't he? Um, mm. I tip QPR you, you, probably you for the top live. six one. one yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. And it it's, it's unsavable from, from 30 yards. I think Bart's been yeah. so good for us that every goal that goes in, I always think, oh, like maybe... Oh, how's that gone in? But he's absolutely bulleted it 30 yards, bottom corner. He's got Bart's got no chance, probably the best shot stop in the league. Couldn't even get near it. Um, QPR, very good. Impressed with them. Recruitment, Johansson, top midfielder at this level, and even picking up someone like Odebajo on a free. Um, they've done a very impressive summer, and I think they'll certainly be up there come the end of the season. Anyone else that you come up against? You know, you play some decent sides there. We'll talk about yeah, them in I think a second. Anthony, Anthony Robertson as well. At, Step certainly a couple of years ago played against when he was at Wigan and I, I was thought he was good then but physically he sort of really really come on and he certainly playing against him I felt like he had that Premier League top end Premier League pace and power and obviously Seri in midfield as well he had a cigar out all night I don't think we could get near him he was, he was brilliant <laughs> you got a little look at Ongisa as well before he moved to Napoli um, ridiculous you you, uh, you messaged me specifically about those two Seri and Ongisa just different gravy yeah, yeah. Who goes on loan from a championship team to Napoli? <laughs> like, to a bit of perspective, like we've got a couple of great young promising players and just loaned one out to Bromley and, and the other's gone to Hartlepool and they're loaning out people to Napoli. So, And also someone like Tom Kearney, probably in his own right, has been one of the best championship midfielders in the last five years. He's not featured for them yet. That's that's the strength. And Harrison Reid, obviously the year they went up, I thought he was one of the best midfielders in the league. So the strength and depth they've got, 
I personally think they could beat Reading's record of 106 points. I, I was that impressed with my thought. They were, I thought they were excellent. Wow. What was it about their performance that night? Because they've got such an attacking starting 11. Their fullbacks kick on. Seri sort of holds down the fort. You've got the two centre-backs and everyone else is bombing forward. And I thought, well, Jed might fancy a bit of space in behind here. Maybe a couple of balls into the channels and try and get something that way. Uh, you, did, you guys did score a goal. It was a bit of a fluky yeah. one. Don't think yeah. Benny, I don't think Afobe <laughs> knew much about it. But what was it about them that meant you didn't have a chance like that? Or not as many as you would have liked? Well, I think the relegated teams, when they keep hold of their best players, and I think especially with Watford last year, they just have that little bit more power and pace. Uh, and that's the big difference when you look at the teams that have come up so far in, in Peterborough and Blackpool. No disrespect to who similarly play an open brand of attacking football. They get hurt the other way on the transitions where these players that are earning what they're earning from the relegated Premier League teams, there's normally a reason for that. And it's, it's that recovery run, that pace and power and it's the squad. It's the squad. You know, you've got people like Cavalero that, that are coming off the bench. The transfer fees he's demanded, demanded in his career, there's a reason for that. He's a top player. Mm. And they have a, a little bit similar to Brentford last year when they have Mitrovic up there. His goal record, obviously, is ridiculous. When you do press them, if they don't feel comfortable playing, they can just drop things into the front. And that's, that was the big difference I felt with Watkins and Tony, where they, they give you that outball as such, where you can hit the front, they get a hold of it, and then, like you say, the game's open, it's a running race, and, and they're, they're very powerful, these teams. Wait till you play against West Brom, if you want outballs. Well, we got them Saturday, so that's a nice easy one. Brilliant. <laughs> we were, we were, we've done a bit of training on them today, and like it's just basically a game of counter-attack, um, which suits me. So I'm going to have to get my lungs ready for Saturday, because it's just going to be going to be a lively one I think uh, out of interest when we spoke to you um last season you spoke you know you said you hadn't really seen anything like Ishmael's Barnsley before in your preparation you know you would have or, or the people who you know your analysts at the club or whatever would have done a lot of work on on what the differences are between that side and this West Brom side is it the same are you preparing for that exact similar at the high press the long balls over the top or is there something different you're seeing in what he's uh, trying to get them to do yeah I think it's similar um without being disrespectful to Barnsley it's probably just a little bit of higher quality um, yeah. in terms of the players that they've got, obviously. But it, it's always a game playing against them that, yes, they're dominant, but it does, if you can get it right on the ball, um, it really does leave the transition open, um, which is a lot easier said than done when they've got pretty much their whole team and you're half pressing you and they're, they're looking for that counter-attack off your own mistake. Um, but if we can get that right, that first pass, especially with myself, Shea Ojo, Mason Bennett, we, we do have mm. pace in our team um, to hurt them going the other way. And, I think he's gone in there and made a great start and you can feel they're very much behind the manager of the club. There's a United feel there and them and Fulham, they're going to take some stopping, aren't they, I think. You played Fulham and then you played Cardiff a few days later, certainly in terms of style of play from one yeah. opposite to the other. Um, Flint and Morrison scored three goals between them against you, um, yeah. which is which is pretty <laughs> crazy. Flint, is he still the joint top scorer in the league? I think he probably is. Yeah, um, what's you know, You talk about how... You, you know, you might look for to, to get it right on the break against a team like Fulham and, and you probably want to spend or you know you're going to spend long spells without the ball and, and you have to be disciplined. What about when you play against Cardiff? Um, what do you have to do differently and, and what happened on the day that meant you guys didn't pick up any points? Yeah, Cardiff, difficult. Um, set plays, they're massive. And and to be fair, like I'm a big believer in like, you have to own what you want to do. And, and a lot of people like that if it's playing out from the back. And that's, But whatever your style is, is your style. As long as you work to that and you own that you're going to do that. And that's why you've got to pay respect to Cardiff because they know what they're doing. I don't think they played out short once on the goalie. They hit it up to Kiefer Moore, who's probably the outstanding target man in the league. And, and they go from there. 
and Lichen, you've got Jay Cooper and Aidan Flint, probably two of the best headers of the football and the championship scene in the last 10 years. And Coops, I think, won every single header until Flint gets across him once and, and gets a header in. And I'm sure next time you play him, Coops might get across him. Like, won, I think I've won five headers in my career. I'm not going to sit here and criticise Coops for losing a header to Flinty because Coops don't lose many headers to anyone, to be quite honest. Um, and, and that's been our really Achilles heel, really. I think we've let six in from set plays already, five or six. And I think the whole of last season, we let five or six in. So that for us has been our issue. What I like about Flint and Sean Morrison particularly is that you talk about owning your style. I mean, they are both unbelievable in the air, unbelievable set-piece threats, and they clearly love it. Like, they yeah, absolutely love it. It must be, uh, probably not for, for someone like you who's played so many games at this level, but I can imagine it could be quite intimidating for a lot of players in the Championship to come up against these guys who know that they're quite intimidating, both as footballers yeah. and as blokes, and probably, you know, kind of play up to it. Oh, they're massive. And like, like you say, they've got Keith Moore in there as well, who's another... He's a big lad. Um, they throw it in the box from everywhere. I think them and Birmingham are going to be the two this year where they're like, you're going to really have to defend set plays well. Um, mm. I think that's been a big thing I've noticed watching games. Like Everyone's got a long throw now. I, I think it's become almost a fashion um, the last couple of years. Like we've, we're trying to find one in our squad and sort of everyone's practising, but we haven't really got anyone that stands out. You know, Matt Smith's got a long throw, but he's like the best in, in the club. You're joking. So can't, unless he can throw it and head it, um, you can't do both. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a long <laughs> that throw. Is throw. I know. Can we not can we not send Jake up there and then Smith launches onto Jake's head? That would work. Yeah, it could it? happen. Yeah, that could happen, definitely. But I don't know if it if it, if it does break down, I, feel I like... probably wouldn't fancy Smudge defending a counter-attack running back to feel... his own goal, to be fair to him. <laughs> I feel I feel like Smith could be the first ever long thrower. It just it just goes over everyone's head and just sails off in over, yeah. over the top of everyone. It's not Absolutely often we let goals in, like to be fair to Flint, like and the Giles, two great balls in from Giles, like Fair play to them on the day the set plays went their way. And we're a big side anyway. I don't think we let many in. But Flinney scored a Rabona in League One. So listen, it forever <laughs> be respected in my eyes. I'm intrigued by Smith's long throw. It feels like one of the great wasted talents in football. Um, it's a bit like... Yeah, he's too good in a... the air. He's, he, he's killed himself, really. If he wasn't so good in the air. Like He's the one person... Like We are talking about that today, probably. I was uh, The lads are talking about the top 10 Premier League players scored headers. Most headers scored. And like you say with Matt, with Matt Smith, we were talking about Matt Smith. Like he's just unplayable. If you get the right ball into yeah. him, yeah, like he's unbelievable. To be honest, it's a bit like if there's a goalkeeper that's as good at free kicks as like Shilavar, but isn't allowed to take him because you know oh, exactly. too much of a risk. Um, I'm wearing my uh, drunken purchase. I did. I did notice that. Yeah. It's a bit smug, that is. Ben yeah. Brereton Diaz, um, uh, the, the Chile... He's just Ben Diaz now, isn't he? Ben Diaz, the Chile number 22. He scored an equaliser. Must have been a bit of a sickener against Blackburn after yeah. a, a game that you dominated. You scored the goal to go ahead. That was another one. You talk about having to be very good to beat Bart. I mean, in terms of how, how Diaz could have scored that from that position, that uh, one, yeah. it was perfect. Have you guys enjoyed following the Brereton Diaz story as much as we had? The, the Chilean striker up front for Rovers? Loved it. Um, it's just been great to see, isn't it? And, and fair play to him because there's probably a lot of players that would have got that call and like the nerves going into a dressing room like that, you don't speak any Spanish. Like, you'd be... Like, so you've got to respect the fact that he went. And to be fair, look, his confidence is through the roof. I think he's been brilliant so far this season. Mm. Um, him and Gallagher. And as as amazing as Armstrong was, maybe them two will, will be more involved now that there's not so much impetus on, on Armstrong. Because, again, Dolan, always someone, whenever we play against them, I'm really impressed with Dolan. So they've got some really good attacking players there. We should have beat them. 
probably on the day. But listen, like I said, set plays can make all the difference. And to be fair to to Brereton Diaz, it was an unbelievable header. <laughs> what an accent. <laughs> I want to ask you about one of your own teammates uh, now, Benny Kofobe, who came in in the summer. Um, it looked a really interesting signing. Someone who's obviously struggled a lot with injuries, but his championship quality uh, has never been in doubt. What's he been like to play with? And it must be quite nice for you to have someone to share a bit of the goal-scoring load with as well. Yeah, I love Benick. I've known Benick um, a long time. I've always followed his career and he's had a bit of bad luck with injuries and stuff on and off the pitch. I think for him to to move back to London uh, and Benick's one of them characters where he like he needs to feel like he's very important and for us, obviously, listen, he's got more talent probably than anyone else in our squad and it, it's down to us to make sure that we can get it out of him. Um, and it, it can be difficult for us playing up front at times. We don't create the most amount of chance in the league. Um, so it's down to us to find a way of creating more for Benick someone that suits the way we play in terms of that pace and power down the middle of the pitch when we look to transition. Like you say, he got a lucky lucky goal against Fulham, but then he's followed up with a decent finish against Cardiff. And when Benick's confident and he's enjoying his football, I think you guys know as well as me, he's definitely one of the leading frontmen in this league. When I first went to Wolves that first six months, he was unbelievable. I think he had 12 by Christmas. He was was unbelievable that season. Big respect for the manager as well. He knows Gary from... Stoke obviously took him to Stoke so I think I think yeah. Benick just wants to feel loved and he, he's certainly going to feel that at Millwall the supporters have took to him because how hard he works straight away and I think he's going to be really good for us actually I like the fact that he's started every game so far this season in the league because George is absolutely right to mention that he struggled with injuries that's just a fact of course he yeah. had a really tough time off the field as well the last time we saw him in English football before a bit of time in Turkey but I always think it's so hard to shake that that tag of being injury prone and sometimes we as fans or as observers who maybe haven't been professional athletes ourselves all it takes is maybe two bad injuries and then that just sticks yeah. to you but but injuries aren't always recurring injuries and having one injury early in your career doesn't mean you're going to have loads of injuries in your whole career and i just feel like i mean you dare i say it, have been fortunate certainly over the last few seasons you've started over 40 championship games for the last four years in a row you've been quite fortunate with injuries so maybe you haven't felt it in the, in the same way but do you sort of see how tough it can be for players to shake off that oh. tag and be, being injured is that it's bar none the hardest thing in football it is the hardest mm. thing in football when you're sat there on a what bike pedaling around on a bike stationary and the lads are out there running around playing five sides and training like it's the worst feeling um mentally it's so difficult and if, if there's any player I've ever played with that deserves a bit of luck and I want to see do well Dennis Benick because he's a he's a cracking bloke he's a sort of positive guy he's, when you see him in the morning he's just infectious character he, he deserves it and and I do have I have a lot of belief in him when we signed him the lads we had a bit of a buzz on in the change room because he's someone that's got that proven proven goal scoring quality that no disrespect to the rest of us apart from Smudge there isn't many in our group that have scored loads and loads of goals at championship level. Um, so to have someone of that status of Benick, um, hopefully, we're hoping anyway, he could be the difference um, getting us into the top six. And if he stays fit, he's going to be brilliant for us, I think. How's the general? You mentioned there that you had a bit of a buzz on after signing Benick. I mean, what's the general feeling around the dressing room um, about the start of the season, both you know in terms of results as well, and in terms of performances as well? Obviously, coming off the back of a win last time against Blackpool is a good thing going into the international break. But how do you feel the performances have been alongside the results? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we played great yet. I think we were excellent against QPR first half an hour. Um, I thought we played reasonably well against Blackpool, but I think in terms of our own, our own standard, we haven't played probably as well as we have in 20 or 30 other games under the manager since he's come in. So 
I think it's a fine line. I think the overriding feeling was relief that we that we got over the line against Blackpool. Um, and we probably needed that just to get that first win out of the way uh, going into the first international break. And now the fixtures start ramping up now. I think we've got West Brom, Swansea and Coventry. So three very different games next week. And you do, when you're early on in the season, you just want to get your first goal, get your first win, settle everyone down a little bit. And we need to sort of regain that home form that we had pre-COVID because um, probably more that us than most we really struggle with no fans i know that you guys feel that top six playoffs is the the goal it has to be the aim has to be the objective and a realistic one as well there are a lot of teams in the championship whose main objective is to reach the top six this season to reach the playoffs yeah. and particularly not necessarily gunning for the top two and we've spoken a little bit in the first few weeks and we've kind of touched it with you talking about fulham there and don't mean to be negative about these teams at all because they're doing what whatever they, they can do to get back to the Premier League. But we've discussed a little bit about how the, the competitive balance in the champ has maybe been chipped away at a little bit from being considered the greatest, most unpredictable league in the world where everyone can beat everyone. I, I would say that's been massively chipped away at. I don't think they can say that anymore. I think League 1 and League 2 are more unpredictable leagues at the moment. And I just wonder, being a player in that league and, and a team that have lofty aspirations, as so many do, it's a bit weird, isn't it, that everyone is fighting for top six because those top two places, and there's a long way to go yet, but they definitely feel more unattainable than they would have done maybe three seasons ago and, and longer. Yeah, I agree. I think that's normal when you're in a market where you've championship clubs have spent, what, 40 million between them and, and one club spent 30-odd million of that. Um, it's it's going to be natural. Um, and I think with COVID, where the average price of players probably come down, it's meant that the relegated, we spoke about before, the relegated teams are able to keep hold of these players that are worth, you think of Watford last season with Saar, Norwich with Brendia, they can keep hold of these players that normally, in normal times, they wouldn't be able to keep hold of because no one's got any money in the Premier League. So, yeah, I, I do get that. And it's not everyone else. I don't think it's a fact of everyone else giving up. Uh, I think it's more a fact of you don't want to pile more pressure on yourself than you need to. Um and that is a reality. And you also got to be honest with that thing. When you when you look at Fulham's squad, they probably got they got the likes of Knockhart not getting in the squad. Like you say, people like that that have top top players at this level, then they they're always going to be fancied. Um, and then obviously you've got the group behind that: us, QPR, Sheffield United, Stoke, Cardiff, Coventry. That would be looking to get into that playoffs. It's, it's very difficult to, for, to go from a team that's sort of tenth, eleventh, twelfth to bridge that gap into the top six. Normally, you need a lot of luck or, or something completely different, which we had with Barnsley last year. Um, but we certainly feel we can do it. But like a lot of teams in our position, we need to keep everyone fit. And at the moment, we've got six lads injured, which probably don't help to us. And you're right, um, Ali, League One is the one this year, I think, that you look at and it's, <laughs> it's super open, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, the, but then the, the funny thing is with League One, there are still clubs, you know, you look at what Ipswich are doing in terms of their their yeah. investment and their recruitment. You know, they should be way clear of some clubs who are also talking about them in the same... In, in the same breath as being the same quality. Um, is it yeah, difficult true, for yeah. you as as a player at Millwall, you know, when you play against Fulham and you see the way they're playing in that first 15 minutes and kind of any hopes that you had maybe of, of matching them and going toe-to-toe with them for the season, you kind of think, well, yeah, maybe we are, we are playing for a playoff place here. That must have changed yeah. in, the, in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm of the belief that like, I, would, I would never take a draw. Some people will, like, oh, West Brom away, like, I'll take a draw. Like, we are Achilles Hill has been drawing, so I'm just... Yeah. I'd rather us when we're drawing one all sometimes just throw the kitchen sink it. We we draw, I think, 18 games last year. So for us, and that is the that is the mad thing with 
with the, my opinion, the drawing for me, like it's crazy as it sounds, you're better off losing two games 5-0 and winning one than, than sometimes drawing two and, and losing one by one one goal. Like you're better off just going for the wins and that's what's probably cost us as a group not being able to get over the line um, the last couple of years. We haven't turned enough of them draws into wins. Um, but yeah, it is hard to not come across as defeatist, but at the moment they do look good, those two sides. Um Mm. But listen, it, it is wide open and like anything, a couple of injuries for them and one defeat, then it kind of can go the other way and all of a sudden they, they're on a little bit of a slippery slope. But yeah, we're under no illusions. West Ham will be a tough game, but listen, someone's got to beat them, so why can't it be us? If it's 1-1 with 10 minutes to go against West Brom, I'm going to have player cam <laughs> on you. I'll be back. I'll say that now. I'll be back on the edge of my own box defending. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. We just draw so many games. I just think the, the, so we drew six in a row last year and you're like... Like you're better off taking a couple of hide-ins and winning a couple and nicking one draw. Like it, they are difficult draws, but it, the league's so tight. You know yourselves. Like playing this league now for five years, six years, so often it's like one strike or one set play that is the difference. So we're finding out that you hate draws. Um, last week we found out that George hates free kicks, and it was just a few days after you had scored what I now consider to be your sort of one-a-season Jed Wallace special, <laughs> the arrow, the arrow into the top corner. I reckon Jed will agree with me. What don't I you respect, like about him, George? I think that in the list of good goals, free kicks are the least good, if that makes sense. I would much rather see any kind of other... I think uniqueness is the key to a great goal. And therefore, you know what goal I loved last season? Tony's against Forrest. I loved it. When it went so high in the air and he slid tackle yes. half volleyed it in. Yeah, yeah, like that, yeah. Exactly. That, that is it. The goals of the season. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't because yeah. it's unique. It's like it's something you don't see very often. Like every, you know, Jed, I love it when you stand up and you smack it top left, but yeah. you've seen you do it before. You'll do it again. I've seen other players do it before. They'll do it again. It's the stuff which is unique that makes the goal great. So there you go, Ali. Free kicks. Well, I, I, are... do, I do get that. Yeah, I do get that. Although we've mainly been talking, champ, I want to leave a couple of crumbs for the League One and League Two fans because you mentioned Millwall have got a few players out on loan in League One and League Two yep. and if I could just yep. get just a short sharp bit of analysis uh, on each of them Marlon Romeo has been your partner up and down the right side for for a few years at, at Millwall and he's joined your old club Pompey so this presumably is a move that interests you greatly yeah I'm, I'm trying to make that club get as many as my mates in the door as I can now I've got <laughs> Ryan Tunnicliffe John Marquez Sean Williams Marlon Romeo John Marquez he's not done a Brereton I've known John for years. I've known him for years. I, John went to Portsmouth on loan um, when I was there. So much so, yeah, I, I was actually with John out for dinner on Saturday night with John. Oh, yeah. nice. There you go. That's the that's the link-up you didn't think you'd see. And if you check, speaking of link-ups, this is the most <laughs> random one you'll ever see. Benneke Fobo went around Rod Stewart's house on Friday night. <laughs> that's the maddest combo you'll ever see this season. What? <laughs> Rod, Stewart's, Rod Stewart's little boy is a big fan of Benick's. So Benick went round to Rod Stewart's house to present his. Um, let me get the picture up. To present that is his so weird little kid with uh, amazing the, the kids thing. Yeah, let me here you go. This is the link. The link up you never thought you'd see. I don't think I've ever been speechless on this podcast. Oh my god, that is so good. That's I think we've got to get the Millwall championship. The Millwall fans have got to sing "We Are Sailing" to Benick every time he scores. Right. Now I think I love it. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't believe it when he takes you that picture. I just thought that is not what I thought I'd see on a Friday night <laughs> when I'm having my dinner. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. Rod Stewart, great entertainer. Uh, same can be said for Tyler Bury. How's that for a, a, a unique segue? Uh, oh, lovely. Um, he lovely. sadly has just picked up a hamstring injury, which is is going to rule him out for a few. It's a bad one as well. Absolutely yeah, one. electric yeah. start to the season for Hartlepool, which I must admit, George and I. 
didn't see coming, didn't know much about him, but now one of our favourite players in the leagues. Yeah, he's a confident boy, Tyler. Uh, like his attitude, he's got that belief where when things aren't going well, we still want to take the ball. And I really admire that. Um, quick, powerful boy, a lot of self-confidence. Started the season really well. He's been very down, to be fair, the last couple of days. I think when you get your career going and you, you have that euphoria of scoring goals and then it's snatched away from you for three months, I think he's gutted. Um, but he's, he's going to have an exciting career. Another one that's going to potentially be good for Millwall because of his, his pace on the counter-attack is, is the way we, we want to play. Were you surprised that he went to League Two? Uh, no, I think it's good for him. I think it's good for him. I think he's one of them players where I don't typically like this saying he needs to be kicked a few times and, and learn. Like obviously, he plays my position, yeah, yeah. so I spend a lot of time working on him. He needs to learn when to pass the ball. Um, but you've seen, I think he's been kicked a few times as well. A lot of times. So I'm, I can tell him how to get kicked. <laughs> I think his second goal, he kicks it 15 yards and leaves the guy for dead. Where you yeah. think, right, that's what he's about. Like, Definitely. I like the idea of uh, there being a talented youngster who plays in your position, so they send him all the way to Hartlepool, get him as far away from Jed <laughs> as possible. As far away as possible. Um, we've got uh, Alex Mitchell's just gone to Orient, straight into the heart of defence. They they switched to a back three, yeah. basically to accommodate him, which which uh, reflects pretty well on him. Yeah, he's been nicknamed the robot at the training ground. He, he's, he's 19, looks like he's been eating weights for the last six months. Um, great attitude proper old school mill type centre half would head a brick off the goal line if it meant kept it a clean sheet um, again brilliant attitude going to have a brilliant career probably needs another year um, technically developing before he can make that step up and we've obviously signed Dan Ballard so I imagine he's do the season loan go back to Arsenal at the end of the season and then I imagine that the natural progression hopefully will be Alex Mitchell into our first team squad and Isaac Olaofi has gone back to Sutton, which is, is one of those pleasing ones where he's helped get them up. They're in the EFL. They need him back. And he has gone back. Yeah, he, I felt for um, Tanto. We call him Tanto. I felt for him because first day of pre-season, he's literally done his groin the first day. And you think, oh, the lad's built all that confidence last year, got injured. A lot of clubs wanted Tanto. Another one I get on really well with Tanto. Speak to him a lot. There's a lot of clubs in League One and League Two that wanted to take him, obviously, on the back of last year. Um, but I think to go back for Sutton, for him, they've had a bit of a slow start. So getting him back through the door could be big for them. These lads that go out on loan, it's so easy to lose your way when you go on loan. But for Tanto, I think he scored 16 goals in all comps last year out on loan. Um, and your first real loan, it, it's brilliant. So Jed, also three goals and one assist so far this season. Ali, in particular, is a big fan of the old double-double. Is it on your mind? Are you confident of doing it this season? Do you know what? Assists, they, I'm not too sure about assists these days. I feel like I've fallen out of love. I've fallen out of love with assists a little bit. Penix can be gutted to hear that. You, you now you get you pass it five yards to someone and they smash it in the top corner from 35 yards and it's. Well, I got an assist today. Yeah. Then you have your real assist, like Scott Malone, who hits a ball across the box on the volley first time for me to tap it in. So there's a little bit of a grey area there for me with what deems an assist now. We had one a couple of years ago. Jake Cooper passed to Ryan Leonard two yards and he put it in the top corner from the halfway line. And Coops is like, I've got an assist. And I'm like, right. Does it <laughs> does it count? Like, it's a bit... <laughs> I mean, this is you basically joining the dark side, which we're already on, of uh, mm. advanced data and metrics uh, and things that give you a bit more information than something like assist. I mean, genuinely... Welcome. I think I might have messaged you about this last year because you can measure how many chances that you set up for your teammates you can even now with expected assists I know the name winds people up but you can measure the quality of chances that you set up for someone so you've got assists there really? 
did a goal did a goal go in and were you the last person to touch it before that person took the shot you got chances created also called key passes now even that's not good for me because if you play a two-yard pass and i have a shot that's still considered a key pass or a chance created expected assist looks at okay you put a cross in onto the the foot of a striker six yards out and he skewed it wide so what would you get out of one for that? So is it at one, the scoring? Let, let's say, for, for argument's sake, it's a 50% probability that that chance would be scored if it was taken a million times, the same shot would be scored half a million times, 50-50. Yeah. So you'd end up with a nice little 0.5 to your name and that builds over the course of the season. And I think and I think that last season, out of championship players, it was you and, and big Ilias Chair who were being most let down by the finishing of your teammates, by which I mean you had, let's say, a cumulative... 10 expected assists, but maybe only five or six assists. And equally, you get guys who have got like 1.4 expected assists. Maybe they've whipped in some decent set pieces or maybe they've just set up genuinely just played those short passes and got a couple of long shots. You could have a shot, couldn't you? I could have a shot, kick off George's bum and it goes in and I'll get an assist. I'd like to see that. Um, Yes, you would though. But but then I would go even further and this does also exist. So I think expected assists isn't enough. I think you need to also weight it by difficulty of what they're doing. I don't think you should necessarily if, if I if I'm put through by an unbelievable ball over the top from someone and I run onto it and I square it two yards to give you a high XG chance when we're one on one with a keeper and you're not offside, then I'm getting all the benefit. Whereas actually if that is a very easy thing to pull off, yeah, that should yeah, be yeah, waiting yeah. into I it know, too. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. This is the, the thing is like football's going this way now and like it does make you laugh. I'm doing running at training and I got one of the like the lads, we've got a great staff at me all. I'd have one of the lads telling me I'm tired because the iPad says I'm tired and I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm 27, mate. I know when I'm tired. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it is interesting, and I do agree it does have to go that way because ultimately it's the one percent now. It's so important the one percent at this level with keeping people fit and stuff. And we have great team at Millwall, but stats—they're always how you want to interpret them. You can always bend them to how you want to bend them to to, to suit your argument. So it is an interesting one. Making a career out of it, we are. So um, yeah, yeah. Why not, mate? Why uh, it's not? interesting. What, one, one week on Sky saying assists are rubbish, the next week will be well, he's got ten assists. So. <laughs> well, if I get a hundred assists this year, I'll be saying they're the best things ever. Yeah, oh, assists, yeah, exactly. everything, everything. Yeah. <laughs> you probably feel a bit bulletproof because you've had such a, a great run of fitness, lack of injuries over the last few years, but. We have spoken to guys who have extended their careers well into their 30s who take what that person with the iPad says very, very seriously. Even if they don't feel the fatigue in the muscles, they will take that yeah. seriously because they think it can help them avoid those injuries that maybe start picking up a bit. So you're, you're still a few years off there, but I think you're going to... Yeah, gonna... and it's vital. That it's individual. That's a good thing about the guys at Mill that blew me that we've been working with for years. Gabe guy called Dave Caroline who works with, has worked with a gaffer at a few clubs. It's... it's they do well because they individualise it. Because if we're doing runs, no, no disrespect, I'm not going to be doing the runs the same speed that Matt Smith's going to be doing the runs. And he doesn't need to do as many as me. So that's the understanding where you're still using your coaching and it's still done the right way where it's sort of individualised rather than everyone doing the same thing. Last question before you go. And only because it's our journalistic duty, you have to ask players who get transfer rumours about them about being linked to moves away. <laughs> your contract is up next summer. Over the summer, it was a, a cause of a cause of some concern for Millwall, the fan base, the journos are writing about it. What's going to happen? It, Jed Wallace's future. You've always made it pretty clear that you're very committed to, to playing for Millwall and, and helping them achieve their goals this season. Were you pretty pleased when the, the transfer window closes? Yeah, that was... I, I didn't think that anything would happen. I've always said that I was happy to do what I'm doing. I think I've said it before, where last year just went so quick with no fans um, that it kind of just literally flew by and then all of a sudden it was a thing where oh I've only got 
13, 14 months left or whatever it was. So I've not really overthought it and just said to the Mill fans that I've I've, been, I've re-signed at Mill three three times. It's close to home for me. My kids love coming to watch me play there. So it's, there's huge, huge positives to Millwall. The club's moving forward. I've, I've never not enjoyed a day there. I love it there. And my ambition is obviously to play in the Premier League. Uh, I think the Millwall fans understand that. And my, my ultimate number one target is to do it with Mill. And that's all I've really got my mind on. And just want to be judged from my performances rather than what um, someone might say on Twitter or, or whatever they're on. So just sort of take it week by week and see how it goes. Really. And is there any aspect when you've had the career that you've had in which you started at an amazing club in Pompey that you loved. You played so well, you got a move to Wolves and you got marginalised a bit, a little bit. You probably didn't play as much as you would have liked and, and over the course of a few seasons definitely didn't get the minutes that you would have wanted. Is there a case of being a bit like once bitten, twice shy when you've now got a good situation, club that you love, as you just said? You've got to make sure if, if there is another club on your horizon over the next few seasons, you don't want to make the wrong decision. No, exactly, but flip side of that is when I was a young lad when I went to Wolves and first day there I got injured lost a lot of confidence didn't play as much as I wanted and when I needed to play well I didn't play well um, but ultimately now I understand myself as a player and a person much better than I did then um, so I, I certainly wouldn't have any fear about doing anything in my career now I feel very comfortable I know my strengths I know my weaknesses but I never take playing for Mill for granted like I say it was only 10 years ago I was a kid running around a non-league pitch, um, so I don't ever lose sight of playing in front of 16, 16 70,000 punters at the Den. I'm, I'm living my dream, to be honest. I love it. My kids, like I say, having my family coming to all the games again, like it's, it's a massive thing for me. And I've just, even though we've not been great so far this season, I've just loved the, the sort of grittiness of having the fans back in and that pressure when we went 1-0 down on Saturday and a little bit of tension in the crowd I've missed that and, and I'm just reveling it at the moment enjoying my football and, and see where it takes me right George uh, my Fitbit just beeped Jed is getting tired so <laughs> yeah you're off that's an assist <laughs> are you going to come to a game soon and let me know or what yes yes that's a yes we're actually both Millwall se- we're actually both Millwall season ticket holders but we, we go in disguise we're always there yeah, so, yeah. under a pseudonym what do you dress up yeah what about Coventry because that's going to be a good game because they're good this season yeah we nice. like Cov yes they are good yeah. A few more goals from O'Hare and you could be looking at the next great championship number 10. Do you have a nice, like, a little area where friends and family can come and have a beer beforehand and that sort of thing? Can we get can we get on the list for that? Yeah, of course you can, mate. Once, well, to be fair, what they, they've we haven't opened up the lounge yet after because of the whole COVID thing. Because I think they're opening that now after this international break. Nice. Okay. So That's everyone why we will be come back yet. amongst so. it in their, like, kids, family, all that stuff. And then we'll get an Uber exec straight to Pompey out, out in Astoria. Uh, Uber? No, I never heard of it. <laughs> Jed, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers, we- catch up soon, yeah?